Brothers Talk, episode number 47. I'm your host, Adam Stachowiak. This show features in-depth, one-on-one conversations with people who make things and founders. You can tune in live on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on 5 by 5 And today we're joined by my awesome friend, Tim Smith. Tim is the founder of a couple cool things. He runs a very cool podcast called The East Wing. I happen to be on that show a couple times. Uh, he also runs, if you were listening live before the show actually started... Uh, a little thing called Tim Likes to Teach, where Tim, you teach people some very cool stuff. He's a master of the art of design and UX and loves hacking on front-end web code. So, Tim, uh, welcome to Founders Talk, man. Hi, Adam. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man. Um, let's let's do what we normally do. Let's, let's find out where you came from. So, um, for those who may not know who you are, how do you introduce yourself? Well, I usually introduce myself by saying my name. Uh, hi, we'll I'm Tim. there. Yeah. Hey, Tim. Uh, <laughs> but uh, in general, I, I, what I've been saying recently is that, uh, that I'm a designer, uh, front-end developer hybrid, and uh, that I'm also a broadcaster um, because The East Wing is, is just one of the shows um, that I do and just one of the shows that I plan to do. Um, so that's, that's usually how I introduce myself. And you say broadcaster, huh? It's right. not podcaster isn't cool enough for you, or what? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I've I've talked about this uh, various times, and uh, and well, I give just us the don't... short and dirty for those who who didn't listen to those shows or tune into that one. There, give yeah, us the I, short and dirty. I mean, uh, I I personally don't like uh, the word podcast, um, not because of the word, but I think because of the connotation that it's been given. Um, especially from people that are, um, you know, in in television or radio, like it's less serious they, or something. Like, oh, yeah, they, they look like, down on podcasting. And uh, is it like blogger versus you know, like author or writer? Right, right, yeah. exactly. Um, and so that's that's why I don't like to call myself a podcaster. I'm I'm a broadcaster. That that you know, the medium that I use is the internet. Um, there's really no difference between using the radio waves or. Um, or whatever, uh, and and the internet. Hmm. So you're a designer, uh, a right. front end hybrid. What is a front end hybrid? Um. Well, <laughs> I say that because I I my my background is in design, and that's that's what I do first. But um, I I know a lot of front end development, and and uh, and over the years, I've I've accrued more front end development knowledge, um, but. I mean, uh, a, a real front-end developer, a, a front-end developer that, you know, is dedicated only to front-end development, I'm sure could, you know, kick my butt with his code. So that's why I like to kind of say that I'm a hybrid, um, so that I'm considered more of a designer than a front-end developer. Are you, are you scared to call yourself a developer or what? I, I kind of am, because I, I would say that uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the coding that I do is, is mostly hacking and kind of figuring out how to do things. Um, there are a lot of instances where I where I actually do the research and I do look up documentation and and things like that. Um, but again, you know, I, I'm sure that a real front end developer could could really kick my butt. A real see, yeah. okay. So let's stop there for a second because, uh, as you may know, I, I've been dabbling deeper into the world of Ruby and I, I've been learning some things on my own as well. So like you looking up documentation and I. I'm reading some books by some really strong Rubyists, right? People that are really got some extreme Ruby foo. Right. 
And, uh, and they still, obviously, they still look up documentation for some of the most simple methods because things change or they forget or they're just not sure. You know, there's times when you got to look up that. So I'd, I'd like to be the first person to say that you don't have to say real front-end developer. I think you are that. <laughs> don't um, be so humble. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I, will, I will kill the hybrid title from now on. Maybe just a front-end, uh, you know, front-end hacker and designer. Yeah, something I like that. that too. Something like that. Cool. Well, I didn't bring you on the show to 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 talk about that stuff. Let's talk about some other fun stuff. I, I like the new titles, though. That's yeah? cool. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Well, let's. This is something I don't know. I mean, we talk often, but uh, this, these I want to ask a couple of things uh, that I don't even know about you myself. Well, let's talk about. Uh, I don't really want to talk about like your age, but you're young. So I just want to put it out there that you're younger. Like, for example, I'm 34. So you're much younger than I am. And by saying that isn't really to say, you know, oh, Tim, you're young, but you're, you're pretty new to, uh, to the world, you know, in comparison to me. (laughs) Right. Let's say that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Let's go back as far as we have to in your past to like talk about, um, the beginnings of you desiring, uh, you know, uh, a career in art, a career in web design. Where did this come from for you? Um, I, I would say that it started in high school. Uh, and, and it started in high school because up until then, um, I was very down on myself in terms of my creativity. Uh, because a lot of people think that, uh, that art is drawing, you know, and, and that was my opinion. I, I, I always looked at the drawings that I had and I mean, I couldn't even draw a stick figure, <laughs> you know, like even my stick figures look bad and, and they still do. Um, but I, I actually had a teacher in high school, uh, Mrs. Lesberg and, uh, and she was an art teacher and in her class, I remember her, her always telling me that, you know, art was what you wanted it to be, that art was an expression of, of what you had inside and, and your own, creativity. Um, and, and even though, you know, my drawing really wasn't good, I, I do think it, it got better in that, in that class. Um, I started to feel that, you know, I could do something that was creative and, and that something that was related to art without having to draw. There were, there were other ways to do it. Um, and, and that kind of started the spark for me in terms of, in terms of you know wanting to do something artistic and creative, and then when I got further into high school and and I uh, I started doing independent study and I started taking college courses uh, while at the same time doing high school, I I started taking art courses and um, you know introduction to art and ceramics and um, typography and a, a lot of these other classes that kind of opened my mind to the different types of ways that I could be artistic. Hmm. I remember whenever I was in art school back in high school and uh, we got out these little chisels and we had this, I, I don't even know what these things are called. So if you're an artist and you know the technical terms, just correct me uh, in the chat room if you're listening. But I remember like uh, like digging things out of this thing to like make this, uh, this, um, this drawing I had made on paper. So I, I think the exercise was to draw something on paper and then use this different medium and then we had to do it with... Uh, Hodge, was it hodgepodge or uh, whatever? It's like glue, and you kind of make it out of something else. We had to make the same drawing or the same kind of piece of art in right. all these different mediums, and I was like the same. Where 
I, I thought that for a while there, because I remember back in middle school whenever I was learning a lot more about like shading, you know, and this particular art teacher was all about shading. Like you couldn't just line draw something. <laughs> you had to really shade the crap out of your art, whatever it was with this pencil. That yeah. was, you know, that was passing for him. That was the test. He was all about shading and shadows and that was all the depth and stuff like that. So, and then to, you know, to fast forward into high school to, to do, you know, this same kind of drawing with shading and stuff and then try to recreate that in all these different mediums with all these different things from metals to this chisel that would like etch this thing out and then you'd put some ink on it and slap it on a piece of paper. Next thing you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, uh, all this cool stuff. I don't know, but you get exposed to different methodologies and different ways to create art through different mediums. That's, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so what, what was next? And so that's, that's art for you, but you're not just an artist. No, you're not just a web designer. You're, you're a broadcaster. So is that, is that the same thing? It's like just a different medium for you? Um, not really. I mean, uh, radio had interested me from, from actually even littler. <laughs> I, I think I was, I was like 10 years old. Um, and at Toys R Us, they sold this like radio mixer. Um, it was a small mixer that you could record to tape on basically. Hmm. Um, and, and it had a little microphone and you could talk into the microphone and you could play music uh from the mixer and it would just record to a tape um and my parents bought me one of those and i absolutely loved it uh and i i i don't know i mean i've always liked to talk and then uh, when i got into high school again um when, when i first started taking college courses my my major was radio and television um and and i did take you know intro to radio and i i learned out of do a lot of things, um, a lot of the FCC protocols and things like that. I, I actually hosted my own morning show uh, twice a week on the college radio station. Um, and, but, you know, similar to a lot of people that have tried getting into the radio world, it's, it's very difficult to get into. And, um, and it's not always the nicest industry and so I, I decided to to change my my major to graphic communications, um, and and I didn't really pursue the radio thing anymore. So what is it? Uh, I've never tried to get into radio myself, but I know a couple of people here in Houston. We got a number of different radio stations. They're they're involved, and I, their their lives seem kind of cool because they're I don't know they they have some fame. You know, they they walk somewhere, they walk into a restaurant in particular, like here in Houston, and they're known. For example, so what is it that you think it makes radio hard to get into? What is it that's hard about it? Um, I think it's a it's a to a certain degree it's a saturated market and a saturated industry. I would say, um, you know, there's a very limited amount of radio stations and a lot of people that want to be on the air. Um, and, and it takes years for you to even get on the air. What type um, of radio though? I mean, cause you've got radio stations that play music that have right. some, they have their own morning shows, you know, everything from country to, you know, you name it, you know, here in Texas, we got a grand mix from Latino music to, you know, country music to hip hop, rock, you, know, you name it. It's on, it's here in Houston where actually Houston is a pretty big scene for, for rappers, honestly. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I never knew that when I first moved here, and I was like, "Wow, there's like a lot of rappers here in Houston." It's a pretty big scene. Seriously, <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty big cool. scene. 
Yeah. I just wouldn't expect it because it's like, you know, country Texas, you know? Right, right. I, I think, I mean, the for me, uh, I always wanted to do like um, hot AC radio. Um, so, you know, that's like adult contemporary um, where they, they play, you know, mostly pop and things like that. And um, my my plan back then was... I wanted to host a morning show on, on one of those stations, um, which, I mean, till this day, I still want to host a morning show. If somebody were to give it to me, I would do it. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, but you, so speaking of shows, then you host the East Wing. So when did you start the East Wing? Like how far back does that go? Uh, the East Wing started about a year ago. And um, I started that show because I, I don't know, I felt stuck with, with design and, um, and I was kind of looking for, I guess I would, I would say that I was kind of looking for a mentor and, and someone, someone to kind of help me out more and, and to, to make friends basically within, within the design community. And I knew that if I just, if I just asked people, hey, can, can you spend an hour on Skype with me? I had a feeling that they wouldn't do it. <laughs> and uh, so, so I decided, you know what, I, I'll make a podcast and, and, and these people will say yes, right? Because, you know, I'm going to tell them, hey, I'm going to post it as a podcast episode. Um, so I, I created the East Wing and, and the East Wing, the name came from, uh, I would always joke around that I lived in the East Wing of our house, even <laughs> though it was just like a really, really small, uh, it, it was a really small apartment. And uh, so I, I called it the East Wing and, um, and I started booking guests. And to my surprise, a lot of people said yes. And, uh, and that's how it kind of all started. Yeah. Some of your early, um, your early guests on the show too, are, are, you know, not so much not no namers, but you, you kind of, you shot for the, for the moon on some of these too, I guess. Uh, let's think about some different people who are early guests. I'm looking yeah, at the list. Our, our first guest was Chris Kennedy and, um, Chris Kennedy is is a friend of mine, and and we had been friends on Twitter for a while, um, and you know he's really active in in the New York tech scene, and he's a designer, he's an amazing front end developer. Um, so I I had him on the show first. He was kind of like the guinea pig, you know, uh, the first time I did that show, and and I never listened to those first shows because they're so bad. Uh, That's so funny. I, I do the same. Well, not so much the same, but. Uh... Uh, you know, people will, you know, so similar to your story, Jeffrey Grosenbach was a, you know, a big hero of mine. Uh, you know, he does peep code and he, uh, he was the person that started the Ruby on Rails podcast way back when it was like the official Ruby on Rails podcast. And, uh, you know, I had been like in this Ruby world since like 2006. I've been like a huge fan of like everything Ruby. And, uh, my story is similar. Like I listened to the, the, first you know 10 i would say even uh maybe not 10 of final stop the first few where i was kind of catching my groove you know and uh just still so green be behind the ears when it comes to or wet behind the ears not green behind the ears <laughs> uh wet behind yeah. the ears when it comes to you know know what to do but like you said earlier right you, you you almost couldn't call yourself a true developer because you had to look up documentation heaven forbid right right i mean you can't remember all those attributes come on tim i know <laughs> <laughs> or, or all the different arguments that method takes or, you know, whatever it is you could do with jQuery and how the 
uh, you know, how that method works or whatever is, come on, you know, but the same, you know, like you have to, uh, you have to find your own way and that's okay. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, I mean, I, I think as I've gotten, as actually, as I've gained more experience within, within what I do, I become more and more comfortable with saying that I don't know how to do something. Um, and I think, you know, I, I wish I would have had that mentality from, from the very beginning. Uh, because when I started the swing, actually, you know, I, I was already a lot more confident in saying, you know what, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, let me go and listen to what other people do. And, you know, I would listen to episodes of this show. I would listen to episodes of, um, of, uh, of the pipeline and, uh, and the web ahead and the big web show. And I would kind of study the way that they would introduce guests, how they would ask questions, whether, how much they would get into the conversation, how much they would stay out of the conversation, um, how they would end the show. And all of those things kind of really helped me to, to get better as time went on. And, uh, I mean, this sounds so ridiculous, but like the first show, I didn't really know how to end the show. Um, hmm. Uh, so it was, it, you know, the ending of that show was very awkward, <laughs> but now I just say, well, thank you for coming on the show and, and, and it's over, it's done. Um, but you know, small things like that just are, are things you just don't know how to do with the first couple of shows. It's funny that you say those specific words. I don't know what I'm doing because, uh, not long ago you wrote a blog post saying exactly that same thing. It's yes. kind of, kind of ballsy to say that too like i don't know what i'm doing what, what kind of response did you get back from that i, I can see that you have a, a cool post dude counter on your on your posts here and <laughs> yeah. 253 other people agreed that this is a cool post yeah um i i mean i i think a lot of people really liked it um and they liked it because they could identify with that feeling um I, you know, I wrote this post not only for me, but also I think for, for other people that are, that are struggling within our industry or, or really it kind of applies to anything. But, um, I think a lot, a lot of us get really anxious and nervous, um, as to whether we, we know what we're doing and, and, uh, and people finding out that we don't. <laughs> and, um, I, at least in my experience, I, I know that I've been really good at giving the illusion to people that I, that I have knowledge that I really don't. Um, and I've, and I've stopped that. I, uh, I, I've started to say, you know what? I, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what I'm doing here. And I've seen that the, that the power that that has is a lot better than, uh, just kind of faking it. Because it's actually opened the opportunity for learning, and and that is invaluable. You know, um, when you when you tell someone, you know what, I don't know, I don't know how to do this, or I don't know what I'm doing. Um, most people will tell you, oh, okay, well, let me show you, and and that's how you learn. Um, so I, I've stopped being embarrassed about the things that I don't know, and, and kind of taking pride in the fact that uh, that I can just say, you know what, I don't know, and and I I'd, I'd love to learn though. At the end of the post, uh, you say, what are you admitting? Or It says, what are you admitting to not knowing today? It's kind of a weird way to write the sentence, but uh, I'm not, <laughs> not uh, talking badly about the, the person who wrote it, of course. But uh, yeah. what kind of responses did you, did you get from, from that question? Um, 
you know, I, I didn't get any specific responses. Um, but I feel that most of the people that, that commented to me, because there are some people that I didn't know that they shared the article until way later. Um, a lot of the people, uh, thought, you know, there, there, there is something to admit to every, every day. Um, and, and the truth is that, you know, when you're, when you're going through life, you don't know everything that's happening. Um, so I, I think it was good. It was a good response. Um, I don't know. I, I wrote the post more for me than anything else, but, um, I think the people that, that did read it and, uh, and liked it, um, found that they could identify with it. Like I said. So you'd mentioned studying different podcasts and trying to figure out this, this interview, interview flow. And I guess just for me, um, I kind of did something similar and, and I even fought with myself with this same very show. So if you're a long time listener of, of Founders Talk, then, uh, you know, then if you listen to the early teens of the show and then the tweens of the show, and then, you know, they're on four, it, uh, it, to me, it progressively gets more and more of a rhythm. Um, and I think what I had started to learn and tell me, if, tell me if this is kind of the same uh, road you went down. I, I felt the more I made it a conversation and the more it was less interview and just more of a, a good conversation, a good chat with somebody, you know, that, that it wasn't like, Hey Tim, you know, what, what is this? And then you give me an answer. Then, then I ask you my next question and it's just nothing but a volley back and forth. That to me is kind of bland, you know? Right. So yeah, what, I, what did I you would, settle on? I I'd completely agree. Um, and you know, uh, I think that that's what people have really liked and and honestly stayed for is that it feels like a conversation that they are included on. Um, and uh, and for me, I think um, the quality of being genuine is very very important for me and in the work that I do and in my life. And I wanted to bring that to the show that it could feel genuine. It could feel like a conversation that you just you know, happened to be included in, you know, it was a conversation between two people and you kind of sat next to us and you were included in it. And, um, and I think people have really liked that, that feeling where it's a conversation that, um, they feel a part of and that doesn't feel rehearsed or, or rigid. And it kind of just goes with whatever flow there is. And, um, personally, I've, I've really enjoyed that because, instead of kind of interviewing people, it's, it's almost been like the first conversation to a really good friendship. And, uh, and I've, I've said it before that the friendships that I've gotten out of doing the East wing and, and interviewing a lot of, a lot of my, you know, a lot of the people that I admire and look up to, um, that, that's been really, really great. Yeah. I have to admit on the, on the getting an opportunity to, to chat with people that you might not normally get a, a chance to chat with. And honestly, it, you get the fortunate opportunity to do it too, because like you had said, if, if they know you're going to share that, or if they know that your show is, you know, produced well, sounds good. You take it seriously. You're consistent with it. You know, you market it, whatever you're as professional as you want to be. If they, if they recognize that they're going to get some value out of the time they spend with you, then they're going to be more than willing to come on and share whatever wisdom and, and you, they're obviously going to want to share as as best as they can because they're not going to want to seem like some sort of weirdo on the show, right? They're going to want to <laughs> impress the people listening too. 
Yeah. So it's uh, it's it's a cool thing though. I mean, um, so what is it? Uh, what is it you think you gained most from? I guess putting on your broadcaster hat, you know, you mentioned you went to college for some of it, but you changed your major. What, what do you think you gained most from doing the East Wing this past year? Hmm. That, that that's a tough one. Um, I, I gained I gained a lot of things from from doing that show. Um. I mean, the, the East Wing has helped me find work. It's gotten me a job. Um, it's, uh, introduced me to, to some great people like yourself and, uh, and, and other people that, you know, I've admired, um, within the design and and development community. Um, so it's been a huge gain and not to mention, I feel like I've, I've been pushed to learn a lot more in the past year than I have, you know, in the past, in the, the three previous years to that um because i i had to stay on top of things i had to stay on top of what was happening and and uh and be able to have educated conversations with these people yeah i mean you kind of get into the world of journalism i you know, i never um yeah, I, I don't know if it's like this for you or not but i kind of stumbled into into podcasting myself i, I didn't go to school for broadcasting I don't even think I ever even touched a microphone my entire life until – I don't even know. I guess when I first started podcasting, I was like, I, I guess I have to get a mic. <laughs> you know, I don't even know what this thing is or I, I, don't, I have no idea. I didn't know if they even had USB microphones or whatever. I didn't know what kind of interface it would have. I mean I was literally just clueless about it. And uh, I kind of just stumbled into it and then – you know, fast forward a couple of years and, you know, I, I kind of picked up things over time. You know, I'd, I'd hit a brick wall. I'd find a way over it. I hit another brick wall, find a way over that one and, you know, just keep pushing forward. And, uh, and before I know it, it's like many, many shows later and I've met lots of cool people and had lots of cool conversations. And, um, you know, Founders Talk wasn't the, the first podcast I had done. The, the, I mean, if you know a little bit about my, my history, the first one I did was, was, uh, the web 2.0 show. And that show started back in 2005. So, I mean, this is like the some of the earliest days of, you know, podcasting. I think that's right around the same, maybe a year, year beforehand, I think. Um, Adam Curry and other people were doing some cool stuff with it and uh, laying the early grounds of, of doing this radio stuff on the internet, right? And, um, you yeah, know, all that cool stuff. But anyways, you know, I kind of stumbled into myself and... Um, I didn't know what I was doing. I just kind of <laughs> just like, I, I won it. I know that's not a word y'all, but I just won it. I didn't know what I was doing. Just figured it out. But here it is. Uh, I guess the, one of the points I was trying to make from that was that, um, was this journalistic hat. Cause you'd mentioned, you know, having to stay up on top of things and, you know, forcing yourself to learn more or be a little bit more in tune to what's going on in the industry, whatever it is you're covering. So in the case of us, we're, kind of both covering, for lack of better terms, the technical sector of, you know, creators. So online artists, digital makers, people who found companies, people who make things really cool, people who are changing the world in lots of cool ways. And I found myself putting this journalistic hat on 
a lot of times, especially with like the change log and blogging and doing different stuff. I, I found myself being this journalist and I was like, man, I never intended ever in my life. I never thought I would ever be like, I'm a journalist of some sort, you know, broadcaster, <laughs> podcaster. You're still a journalist, right? You're still a news person, right? Like uh, the people on, on uh, CNN or the news or Dateline or whatever, those people are no different than us, except for the fact that they work for multi-million dollar companies. They do pretty much similar things. They have producers though too, right? We don't have producers. It'd be nice to have a producer. I'd love to have yeah. a producer. I would love to too. So did you think that, um, I know you went to school for broadcasting, but did you think that you would be in this journalistic kind of situation? Um, I mean, to be completely honest, I, I had no idea what I was going to end up doing. Like I, I think that, uh, especially when I, when I got older and, and started, you know, um, seeing the finish line for high school, uh, I was like, well, you know, I know that I like design. I know that I like being on the radio. Um, I, I, I've always loved to write, even though I'm not a, a great writer, um, you know, I, I've always wanted to work at a newspaper or something like that. I, th I thought that would always be really cool. Um, so I had a lot of different things that I liked and, and that interested me. Um, so I, I don't know, I, I didn't really know what I was going to end up doing. I, my only hope was to, was to do at least one of them. And I, I feel I'm, I'm very, very, very fortunate to, be in a position where I think I'm doing almost all of the things that I really like to do on a daily basis. Um, and, and that, that brings me, that brings me a lot of satisfaction. Hmm. What do you think about the, I guess, I don't know if it's the state of podcasting or broadcasting. I know you don't like the word podcasting, so we'll try and stay away from that one. Uh, but what do you think about, podcasting these days it seems like there's a lot more podcast than there were a couple years ago right i i think that's really good um you know quite a few people have have come to me and and said hey you know i'd like to i'd like to start a podcast about this and this what do you think um and my response is always hey if you want to start it start it do it um and they've gone on to start it and some have have been very very successful from you know day one and and I'm very, very happy for them. Um, I think that's a good thing. Uh, what I, what I do think is that as a, you know, if we want to call it a community of podcasters, I think that, uh, we're raising the bar in terms of quality and, uh, and the quality of, of production of, of our shows. And that's really, really good because like I said before, what, what annoys me so much about the word podcast is not really the word, but, but the connotation that it's been given. And if we are able to, as a community, raise the the quality of the way that we um, produce and and broadcast these shows, then you know I, I feel like uh, I feel like more people will take us more and more seriously. And and I mean I think that'll be either way. It'll happen with time because um, as we've spoken before, traditional radio and traditional television are. If they don't change the way that they're doing things, they're they're on their way out. Hmm. So when you say raise the bar uh, in terms of quality, do you mean 
technical quality? Do you mean content quality? What do you mean by that? So for those listening, aspiring to be a podcaster or aspiring to start a podcast, or as Dan has mentioned on some of his shows, start a podcast network. You know, <laughs> some people just want to just go right to the podcast network and bypass creating a podcast or just making one successful show. I I mean both. Um, you know, it, a, a good show has to has to have great content, but as well has to sound really good. And uh, and you know, the connotation that podcasts has, podcasts have had in the past are because the hosts have not cared enough about those about those things whether it be you know the quality of of the of the content or the quality of the audio and um you know it's the reason why a lot of people think that a podcast is you know people getting around some uh their their built-in mac mic you know and and doing a show and the coffee shop right (laughs) (laughs) um so i think you know to to be to be a really good podcaster or broadcaster, you have to care about the quality of your audio and you have to care about the quality of, of your broadcast. And, um, you know, you, you are the managing editor of your show and, and you have to, uh, you have to take pride in, in what content goes into your show and what content stays out of your show. Um, and you know, uh, the thing is, nobody nobody's going to give you a title <laughs> that says that you are responsible for those things. Um, but if you take care and 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 you actually care about your show, I think uh, I think you rise to the occasion and kind of um, and make sure that those those two things are are really really well done. So we talked about uh, podcasting getting more uh, uh, accepted. I guess more people are doing it. Um, People I I never expected to podcast because they, I don't know, not even any particular names, but just every day I run into a new show of some sort and they're like 10 shows in, they're successful, they're doing great and they're, you know, they're following some of the things you just mentioned. Um, What do you think the future is? I mean, so we're on Founders Talk. Founders Talk started on 5x5. I had never been on a podcast network before that. I'd done the Web 2.0 show for a while and that was its own thing. The original version of the website was built in Ruby on Rails. And then I, because I didn't know Ruby well enough, uh, when that partnership split up that, that was going on for that show, uh, I decided to go with what I knew at the time. And that time was WordPress. So I relaunched it on, on WordPress. And still to this day, if you go to web2oshow.com, all the shows are still there. You can listen to episode one to episode 70 something or other. I don't know how many how many were on that uh, podcast, but uh, the, the question is more around like that show wasn't on a a network. I started founders talk here on five by five, that five by five, you know, may have uh, began not so much as a network. Like Dan has said, I think even on your show that uh, five by five started as a place for Dan to put his shows. And next thing you know, it's like more shows. So, when you see more and more of these shows pop up that are raising the bar of their quality of their audio or raising the bar of their content and, uh, you know, being that managing editor, as you mentioned, you know, what do you see the future of podcasting happening? Like, are they going to continue to be isolated nodes like blogs are or some sort of like podcasting network? Um, I think, uh, I think that's a very difficult question to answer. And, um, and to be honest, you know, I'm, 
I, I'm not the best at, at doing predictions and, um, and seeing where, where the future is going. Um, however, I would say that I think, you know, networks are becoming more and more popular. And, uh, and I think I disagree with you in the sense that even though there are a lot of shows, um, not all of them are great. And, uh, <laughs> well, did I say that? Yeah. I mean, you said that there were more people taking it seriously. Yeah, there, there are. That's true. I mean, that's kind of sort of true, but I, I would say that, you know, right now there, there's a lot of hype around podcasting and, um, there are some good shows out there, but there are, but I think there are very, there are still very few shows that are done well, that are consistent. Um, and, and, you know, I, I mean, we've talked about this before, you know, the three C's, uh, consistency, content, and what's the other one? Community. Content, Um, consistency, community. Yeah, content, consistency, and community. And I I feel that there are still uh, not a ton of shows that are are leveraging all three of those. Um, So who knows? I mean, I... uh, my my honest prediction, and and I'm going to sound so horrible by saying this, but my honest prediction is I think a lot of the shows that you see right now um, might not be around in a year or so uh, because podcasting is very difficult to do, and uh, and a lot of times people. Right? I mean, it's, it takes a lot of heart. Yeah, commitment. It, it, it takes a lot of heart and commitment. Yeah, and uh, and sometimes you know people are just too busy for it. Um, so I, I, I would say that, uh, that the future is, you know, maybe, um, kind of the weeding of, of all the people that just started because of the hype. And, uh, and from there we'll be able to see, you know, who are the, who are the people that are going to stay within, within that medium. So you mentioned yeah, my favorite, uh, three letters, C, C, and C. Um, we talked about that. I think it was my first appearance on the East Wing was it was it that one or was it the one after that we talked about that? Do I don't recall? know. I don't recall. So, uh, just for those, I don't want to go on a rant, but just to kind of give some to thread the line there a bit. You can either one, if you're listening live, you can't pod, you can't pause this and go away. But if you're listening <laughs> on the podcast, you can pause this and go over to theeastwing.net and you know listen to those two shows I was on and. Fast forward somewhere, because Tim, do you take good show notes and point out where in the timeline somebody talks about something? No. I don't do that. No. No. So you have to listen to the whole show. I know it's a troubling thing, but, you know, bear with me. You might like it. <laughs> uh, but anyways. It's so a it, really good show, though. So. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's not just because I'm on it. It's a good show, but it's a really good show in general. Uh, so I, I had been um, – I've been wanting to uh, – so for one, let me preface with, I don't do a lot of public speaking. It's not because I don't like it or I just don't do a lot because it's just not my medium. You know, my medium has always been, I enjoy chilling here in my comfortable office doing a podcast. That's my thing, right? The occasional right. blog here and there, I run the change log and that's got its own, you know, authors and stuff like that, uh, different writers on there with me and whatnot. So, uh, but it, long story short was that uh, it, it, it had dawned on me that, the the secret recipe, uh, you know, of of the great podcast. You know, someone would say to me, which you probably get this a lot too, Tim, is, "Hey, Adam, how how do I create a good podcast?" Or, you know, I really enjoy the way you do Founder Stock or the Change Log or whatever it is. 
And, you know, can you teach me, can you tell me what the secret is? And I started to really think about what, what did I think the secret was? And it came down to producing really awesome content on a consistent basis and building a community around that really awesome content produced on a consistent basis. That was the secret. Because if you master that, if you just focus on that, which Dan has done well with 5x5 and the many other hosts that have, have uh, you know, helped him produce that, and he hasn't done it alone, um, as he's focused on really good content produced on a consistent basis that can be distributed and listened to in a consistent way, you know, there's, you know, you can go into 5x5 and listen to any show really easily. It's really, you can go to 5x5.tv slash founders talk slash um, you know, 40, for example, and listen to, I think that one might be Sam Sophus. Um, so you can expect to get to that URL and, and listen to a show. And then if you build a community and just speaking of the community, you were once a jackal, right? Or you're still a jackal, right? You listen to, to, to shows here on five by five. You got the I've, t-shirt. I'm a huge fan of five by five, but I'm no, I'm no jackal. You're not a jackal. Hmm. Oh, that's a bummer. I'm a huge fan, but I'm not a jackal. Oh. <laughs> well, all right then. That's, that's. I don't know what the differentiation is. You know, I don't either. know what makes uh, you a, a jackal. Is it just that you hang out in the chat room, or is it that? Anybody no, in the chat room want to pipe up and say what a jackal is? We'll we'll make yeah, sure we what put is a uh, we'll put this in the show notes too. That way, it's not just in the chat room. But all that to say was that Dan has done a great job of doing just that. So yes. that's one thing. So just coming back to these three C's, and you've done this with uh, with your stuff too, not not just the podcast, but also what you're doing with Tim Likes to Teach, right? You're producing some cool stuff there. You're building a community around it. You're producing awesome content on a consistent basis. So that it had occurred to me that this was the secret, and it's the most easiest thing to like really think of. It's the most dumbed-down version of of success when it comes to content blog podcast broadcast whatever you know right well i mean i i think uh it's it's like you know when you when you ask someone how to be successful and they tell you to work hard you know it, it, the <laughs> well, thanks i knew that the uh right i mean the the thing is it's easy to tell someone hey you know you need to be consistent you need to create good content great content and and you need to build a community around it but i think the work around the the work that it involves to actually do that is very very difficult it's also different for everybody though too like your version of that is different than my version of that right right but you know if you're you know if you whatever your work is to achieve those things uh, if, if you that's but that's the the joy of it right um I always hate when I reference this girl as as that, but you know, it was Miley Cyrus, right? She's like, it's not the whatever, it's the climb, right? It's the same thing. <laughs> can't stand. Did, uh, can't did stand you that. just quote Miley Cyrus? Hey, you know, I follow her on Twitter too. I'm just kidding. I don't follow her on Twitter, <laughs> but oh, it's the you know, it's goodness. the it's the journey, man. You know, it's it's part of that's what the fun is. It's not just getting there, right? Because you know, once you, you know, once you've mastered something, you can continue to con- you continue to master it uh, even more. But for the most part, once you're a master of something, it kind of becomes a little boring. You know, it's the journey there that's the fun part. Yeah, I, I, agree. I can the, agree with that. The journey there is also the mystery of it too, right? Like if for you, uh, if we, if we rewind one year, you know, you you said your very first few shows you would you don't even go back and listen to, but I bet you that helps you appreciate what you do now so much more. Yeah. 
because you were trying things on your own. You didn't just give up and say, oh, you know, so-and-so wouldn't respond back to my email, this really popular podcaster who can, you know, surely tell me the secret and help me figure this out. Oh, I'll just give up. You never said that. You tried and kept going and used your wisdom from that you learned from, from college and doing your radio show there and kept pushing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that was always that was always really tough, but I do agree. Yeah, it, if you if you uh, if you continue to work, it it'll get you'll get there. I'm still not there, so <laughs> it's it's there's there's still a lot of time. So we uh, talk about the East Wing. How many episodes have you produced? So just so we can give some context to the listeners. Uh, yesterday we published episode number 60. Number 60. That's more than Founders Talk. Yep. Yep. See, there's that, that middle word there is missing, consistency. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little personal joke, though. But anyways, anyways. Not gonna, not I didn't make, say it. For the record, I didn't say it. <laughs> I'm not going to make fun of myself. That's That's just... Life happens, you know. Life happens. Yeah. Yep. So let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about teaching, man. Because okay. um, not long ago, you also um, you wrote, also wrote a blog post about the future of you, right? right. Where and this might this might just be part of. Uh, um, I think when I bring this topic up, I almost think about the the three different shows I've had on here with Sam Sophus and each kind of painted a different picture of that chapter of his life. Right. Right. And, uh, and for you, this new chapter of your life starts by you quitting your job and you've decided to stop looking for a full-time job and you've decided to start focusing on your own things, your own things we've already talked about in the intro in the past, you know, 30 or 40 minutes. We've been talking about podcasting and whatnot, but Right. Uh, you also have Tim Lisa Teach, and you also have Lustra Magazine, which uh, is that – are you prepared to talk about that at all? Lustra? Uh, I mean, yeah. If, if you bring it up, I can talk about it. I brought it up. Okay. Yeah, we can talk about it. All right, cool. Just making sure. And then you also have – so just to go down the list of – in this blog post, you mentioned um, you know, your own consulting work. So you've got to make a living. So you want to continue to um, you know, not just work on your own things but um, – make money in between then doing some consulting work. So by the way, if you want to hire Tim, he's, he is available. Go to the top of his website and click that <laughs> link that says I'm currently available for work and uh, shoot him an email. Uh, but the East Wing Lustra magazine, which is, uh, which was going to be a printed magazine. Right. And then you kind of reshape the business model. Now it's going to be a digital magazine. Right. Uh, very design driven. So that's cool. You got Tim likes to teach and then you've got bite size. Right. And this is what you're doing. Yeah. Um, the thing is, I, I realized back in May or April, I think it was more like April, um, I realized that, uh, that I was doing a lot of things and I was spending a lot of time at my, at my job and I wasn't really able to spend as much time as I'd like on my own things. And plus, you know, you know, I, I am, um, I I know that there are more important things to do in my life than just work. And uh 
So I took a decision and I said, you know what? I think I need to quit my job. So I quit my job. Um, and I, and I started to think about it and I, um, and I realized, you know, I probably shouldn't look for another full-time job because then I'll just be in the same situation when, you know, I'm a single guy. I live by myself. I don't really have that many bills. So I could probably survive on just doing a, some consulting work and hopefully generate more income from the things that I'm already doing. And that's what I decided to do. And so far, you know, thank goodness I, uh, I'm okay. I haven't starved. I had some amazing fried rice yesterday that I made myself. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I still have a roof over my head. And, I, and I'm very happy because, like I said before, I, I get to do uh, the things that I love. I get to work on things that I really like to do. And, and I, I consider myself very fortunate because of that. Yeah, you said uh, you have a block quote in here. It says, I'd rather be poor and do something I love than make lots of money doing something I don't. Yeah. Now, if you're a fan of any of the things I've done, like I don't think you ever listened to the Web 2.0 show, but uh, you certainly listened to Founders Talk and maybe a couple episodes of The Change Law, right? Yeah. So I I tend to mention here and there, I especially did it because um, this was a pivotal moment for me, but uh, stop me if you've been there. I think you, I'm not sure if you've gone to this conference or not, but it is hands down by far the best conference ever of any kind of conference. It's called LesConf. And if you've been there, put your hands up. Um, but I went to the very first one. Steve and Alan, they've been on this show before. Crazy guys. I love them to death. They're super awesome. Uh, they run a really cool consulting company. I think now they've just transitioned to products. Uh, but they started out as a Rails consultancy. Um, did a lot of cool consulting. Now they now they do less films, less accounting. I use less accounting for my businesses. This isn't an ad for them, by the way. But I'm just saying this because while at this conference, they did such a great job, like getting the right kind of people there. They gave you this this uh, this grab bag, this uh, this bag uh, with stuff in it, I guess, <laughs> um, for being an attendee. And one of the things in there was Gary Vaynerchuk's brand new book called Crush It. And so here I am. I'm, I'm at this conference, meeting all sorts of cool people, networking, and having a blast. And uh, and I'm thinking, like, how fortunate am I to get this free book? I've got to read it. You know, it's, it's Gary Vaynerchuk. I was a huge fan of him, you know, just the, the way he, he talks about things. And I heard that this book was going to be really good. And so on the flight back, I read this book, Crush It. And very much so in that book, he describes uh, – there's a lot of um, talk about social media in there. But really, the if you dumb down the entire plot and theory that he had, his thesis of this book – was that if um, you could make money doing anything, right? I mean, you can make, you know, here in America, you have some decent opportunities, and other countries have some decent opportunities too. Um, uh, really good opportunities everywhere. But, you know, here we, we're pretty fortunate to be able to do pretty much anything and make good money or make decent money. Right. And his idea was that, you know, very much what you had come to, this conclusion you had come to, which was that you could do pretty much anything that you wanted. You can continue working, you know, like Dan might say, the corporate stooge job and, uh, you know, bang your head against the wall and not like it and, you know, make the, the, the bucks you need to make to make your family go around or whatever. Or um, you could do something you really love. 
And it was really about finding your passion. So in there, he'd say, you know, you can make $50,000 doing a job you hate or doing a job you love. Which do you want to do? Right. It seems like you've made that conclusion. Well, and and that's the thing. I mean, you know, I, I look at uh, I look at the salaries that I could make if I were to go full time. And you know, I'm not going to lie. It's <laughs> it's very appealing. Um. It's a lot. It sometimes it's a lot of money, um, but you know, time is valuable. Time is really valuable, and uh, we we have a very limited amount of time. And I've I've decided that I that I want to work on things um, that that make me happy. Um, I want to be able to survive by only having to work 20, 25 hours a week, you know, and dedicating more time to my family, my friends, my, my faith, you know, because those things are important in my life. And, you know, if I, if I ever get, if I ever die, you know, those those things won't won't be won't be around anymore. So you have a limited amount of time to focus on those things. And I I've chosen that I want to do that. That that work cannot be the most important thing in my life. Um because when I've made it the most important thing in my life, I've been very very unhappy. And uh you know, why work 40 hours a week if you can if you can live off of 20? <laughs> and and yeah, you know, I'm I'm poor. I don't I don't have money to to take a vacation to to somewhere. I you know, I don't have money for a lot of things. Um, but I'm content and I'm happy with the things that I have. And uh and and that makes me feel that the 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 decision I've made was the right one. Well, I think so that's that's the now. I I think that you may be in a financial position now that a different one that I think you're going to be in a year from now. I, personally, I really believe that. I don't think that I don't think you've chosen to be poor. I don't want the listeners to think that. I don't think that's your, been your choice. Your choice has been to temporarily live. And I don't know if you're a fan of Dave Ramsey, but he has a saying where live like no one else so you can live like no one else. Right. Uh, he teaches financial peace. He, does, he runs a thing called Financial Peace University, and he basically dispels with some biblical background and faith background, too, on how to live your life uh, with financial peace. But you know, I think you've chosen to live like no one else for now to focus on your happiness, to focus on the things that you've, you feel are really important to you. Um, in a, in an attempt, and I really believe that this is where it's going to go for you to really be successful here in the near future. So I don't think you've made a long term. I want to be poor or you know less financially fit. I think it's really just about um, taking all of you the energy you are going to spend on your career and your work and doing the things that you love rather than the things that you don't love. Right, and I mean it. You know, right now I'm poor, um, but. Who knows if that'll be the same, you know, a year from now, like you said, 
and that, that could change. But for now, I'm okay with being poor. You know, I don't, I don't need tons of money. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm glad you cleared that up because yes, I took a decision to do things that I love, not necessarily to be poor. <laughs> poor is just a side effect right now. Um, but I think that that'll change very soon. Well, the, the correlation, I mean, it just occurred to me really, um, was that, uh, and I mentioned Dave Ramsey, but he really does have that saying where he says, and I, I didn't, it's a fun, we, you know, if you've been to financial peace university, so if you know of a friend or somebody who's done this, this course he teaches, and I know a lot of people, my wife has done it. So, uh, sometimes she'll ask me, she'll ask me if we can buy something or if we could do something, or I'll ask her if I, if we can buy something or do something. And, uh, our response to keep one other accountable sometimes, not all the times, cause we do let ourselves have some fun. Sorry, Dave. Um, we, we say, well, babe, you know, you gotta, or, Hey hon, you gotta live like no one else. So you can live like no one else. So for the time being, you gotta, you know, give up those niceties and be, you know, live closer to your means so that you can, or even beneath your means so that you can better plan for the future. Right. You see, and I, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that, you know. No, absolutely um, not. And and I think that that's, uh, you know, we're we're gonna get philosophical here, and and oh well. But you know, the the thing is that a lot of people are um, the the general the general air of 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 the of society is to be materialistic, you know, and to, and to to have everything and, and, and to be always acquiring new things. And, um, and that's just, you know, that's just not the way that I was raised. It's not the way that I want to live. You know, I, I like living a simple life. Um, if, if, even if I had tons of money, I don't think I'd move out of the studio apartment that I'm in because I, I'm content with it and I like it and I'm okay with, with living simply. You know, it doesn't mean that you live unhappily. It doesn't mean, um, you know, it doesn't mean that you deprive yourself of, of, of all things. It just means you like to keep your life simple. And that's, that's the way that I, that I want to live. Hmm. Well spoken for sure. I think more people should be more simple, but let's talk about, um, let's not go too deeply into the philosophical. Let's, let's turn, let's turn the corner <laughs> and come back to happy land. Okay, uh, and not go too deep there. It's it's a fun conversation. Don't get me wrong, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to discount you the ability to, to to talk about some of these cool projects you are working on. So, um, let's talk about Lustra because Lustra for a bit there was um, it had a different name. It started on Kickstarter. You were unhappy with the outcome um, or execution. I'm not really sure which. You can maybe clarify that a bit. And then uh, I think you went back to the drawing board. You came back and it came out Lustra, and then. What, what what is this? What's Lustra? Um, so yeah, it, it was originally called Make Awesome, and uh, I was told that that wasn't a good name because um, a very respected designer within our community, um, Doctor Leslie Jensen Inman, um, created a series of talks and and some marketing materials that uh, that were under the name Make Awesomeness. So I decided in good faith, you know, that I wanted to change the name because I, I didn't want to s- step on whatever she was doing. Um, I reached out to her and just told her, hey, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do anything. Um, she didn't seem to care, which was okay. Uh, so then, uh, so yeah, I changed the name to Lustra. And the reason why I changed the name to Lustra was because in Spanish, um, 
the word lustre means to give uh, polish or shine. And, uh, and I thought, I thought lustre would be a difficult word to say in English. Um, so I took out the E and I put an A in there and called it lustra. Um, and, and I, I decided on that because I, that was, that's the point, you know, the, the point of the magazine is to kind of shine the light on, on people who are not very well known. Um, but they're, they're doing really great things within our industry. And, uh, so I called it Lustra and, and, and right now it's, um, it's been a rocky road, you know, uh, our, our first uh, attempt to try to make it a print magazine was kind of, uh, shot down because of really lack of money and, uh, and, you know, lack of sponsorships a lot, a lot more than I, than I had planned for i guess and uh and right now we're delayed because um you know we're waiting on on one sponsorship that hasn't actually come through yet um you know we don't know i well we it's just me i don't know if it's going to come through and uh so you know it we basically have to we have to start planning with with that not coming through and and that's going to take more time so that's where we're at and you're, you you mentioned in this same post we were talking about before where you described the future of Tim Smith, which is you, by the way, if you didn't know. Uh, you said that at the beginning of June, you'll be submitting Lustra to the App Store. Right. Right. <laughs> Almost yeah. July. Yeah, that, uh, you know, that that deadline was not met, unfortunately. Um uh, a lot, a lot, because you know there are circumstances that I that I can't uh, necessarily control. So, um, so what have you learned then? I think that the one thing I love about this show is uh, is not the hey throw Tim under the bus and say you missed a deadline. It's right. it's more so to get you in a position where you feel cool about talking about uh, you know talking about fails, you know, or right. talking about the downers or the lessons learned, so to speak. And one thing I like to do when I have people on the show is, is to hopefully they don't feel bad about sharing the parts that are, that kind of suck in an effort to one, just talk about it. And two, to help others learn from those mistakes. So, you know, what are the moving parts here? You got different contributors, you got different sponsors, you've got, yourself i mean the design we've seen shots of this product in, in action i've got a beta copy myself it looks beautiful i mean so you, we've got some really great work here it's 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 all in motion what's um what are the pieces that you've learned from during this journey so we mentioned kickstarter and that and that that was a one part of it i don't know if that's still part of it now but Name change, so thankfully from from Make Austin to Lustra, that's a cool way of naming it too. I didn't I didn't mention that, but it's pretty cool though. So uh, things things I've learned. Um, well, I mean, I, I think the best way of kind of going through them is is really the fails, like you said. Um, <laughs> the 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 Kickstarter campaign didn't work for a couple of reasons. I I didn't do uh, my due diligence in terms of research. Um, and, and how much it was actually going to cost, how much I should have charged people for it, um, and, and the funding goal. Um, 
if I would have done a little bit more research, I think the magazine would have been funded. We could have published the magazine and, uh, and the project would be over or, or successful by now. Um, but you know, the, that I didn't do enough research, uh, kind of killed the project. I charged way too high for the magazine. The funding goal was also very, very high. And, uh, to a certain degree, I think that affected the psychology of people wanting to either back the project or not. Um, it wasn't for lack of sharing. A lot of people shared it. Um, I mean, I think Zeldman himself, uh, shared, shared the project. So, um, when you say Zeldman, you mean Jeffrey Zeldman, right? Right. Um, and that was kind of a joke. <laughs> so I, I mean, I don't think it was lack of interest in the project. It's just you know, really the execution around around the Kickstarter project. And then when I decided to to continue to do it, um, you know, the the costs of printing were really high. And I didn't have any savings to really put into it. Um, and, uh, and I didn't have enough brand equity on my name for companies to give me money. Um, and, you know, that's... Tough sale. Right. That's, that's not necessarily my fault. It's just a matter of timing, you know. Um, because, I mean, I, I know people that have gotten a lot more money than what I requested. Um, but it's because of who they are. So, you know, that's, that also happened. And so we, we, we received in the end, we received a lot less sponsorship, um, than, than expected. And at that point I was like, well, now what do I do? I don't have enough money to print this. Um, but people have already given me money as a sponsorship. So, um, you know, for a long time, I, I said, you know what, forget this. I just, I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to shut it down. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to be done with it. Um, but I couldn't do that. I, I didn't feel it was morally right to do that, um, for the company, uh, for the companies that I had invested in sponsorships. Um, and you know, I mean, it's not morally right to put off the deadline so much as it's been, but, um, you know, right, right now we're, we're still waiting on a sponsorship from someone. And, um, and you know, the, the big fail, I guess, has been that, um, I, I had no idea how much work and how much, um, out of my pocket money there was going to be needed to make all of this work. Um, so, you know, that's, that's really what has helped us kind of what has, uh, held, held us up. And, uh, like you said, there's been, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, I'm dealing with contributors. I'm dealing with people that are, I'm interviewing for the magazine. I then have to transcribe those interviews, um, from, from the audio that, that we record. Um, and you know, all of that takes time and the transcriptions, you know, are, are money. <laughs> they, you know, a transcription of an hour conversation costs about a hundred and, $50. Um, and you know, I need to do, I need to do three of those. Wow. And I, I don't, you know, I don't have, I don't have money just to be throwing at all of these, all these different expenses. So, um, 
yeah, there there have been a lot of fails, a lot of lessons learned. I think the biggest lesson that I can take away from it is uh, is the need to do more research into something that you've never ever done or ever tried. You know, so. So let's talk about maybe the the positive side of this then. So I think it was pretty wise of you to to not decide to to throw in the proverbial white towel into the into the ring and say ah, I give up. You know, you, you kind of went back to the drawing board and you, and you said, how can I still deliver this, but within you know a financial means that I'm I'm within. And so out of that, you come out with a, a very good looking magazine. That's going to be digitally distributed. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah. So the the positives have been that you know I, I I'm really really passionate and excited again to be working on this digital version of the magazine that that's going to be on the iPad. Um, designing it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, you know, there there's a lot of a lot of negative negativity around the Adobe publishing tools. Um, because a lot of the times the files are just so big, it takes a long time to download it on your iPad. Um, but I kind of decided to ditch that because I, it, I mean, the magazine does have some imagery, but it's not huge. And I'm also not doing multiple versions of the magazine. Um, and this is, this is the, the biggest difference, right? Because a lot of, a lot of publishers, what they do is that they have different versions of the magazine. They have, um, you know, a version for iPad landscape. They have a version for iPad, uh, you know, portrait. They have another version for iPhone and the different versions of iPhone um, and and the different also orientations of iPhone. Um, and that makes the file really, really big so that when you download it, I mean, of course, you get a 300 megabyte download. Uh, but I kind of threw all of those to the wind and I said, you know what, I'm just going to do it portrait um, people are going to read the magazine portrait. Oh, well, that's how you would actually read an actual magazine. You wouldn't be able to read it landscape anyway. Um, and and that's what I decided to do. And I, I think uh, because of that, the, the file size will be a lot smaller, I think. Um, and, and overall, it'll be a better experience for people who decide to download it. I like this, though. I mean, you, you kind of embrace some constraints and... You decided, you know, you made some very strict decisions too on, I guess not, I don't know if this is considered responsive or not, but, you know, responding to the fact that you turn it one way or another, the the particular device that you're using. So is the, is the magazine only on iOS then? Is that how Adobe works? I'm not familiar with the platform. Right. So, um, yes, the, the magazine will only be available on iPad landscape. So no, I mean, sorry, portrait. So no iPhone then I can't I can't read it on my iPhone right, right that is correct. So iPad only. It might it might download, but I don't think it'll look good. We talked um, on this show a little bit about um, this Adobe Publishing Suite with the guys uh, at Type Engine. Um, right, they were on the show back on episode forty three, and they're also great interview by the way. Thank you. Yeah, they're also famous for, you know, in their own words, ripping off Mark Armand, the, the magazine. I'm just <laughs> joking about that. That was a really cool article that uh, they got published on Panda Daily about them. But, um, yeah, and this is um, – it's a tough one, though. I mean, I think the, the thing with Lustra that's a little different than maybe the type of magazines you'll see, uh, like – like the magazine or like the loop 
that is now getting distributed through Type Engine um, is that it's more, and you said this too, that it's more design focused design. It's a design focused magazine that there's more layout to it. There's there is not a ton of images, but there's enough imagery that it's not just. You know, and if you've read the magazine, you know Marco Marco's previously owned magazine. I think who owns that now again? What's uh, Glenn Fleischman? Glenn Fleischman, yeah. Um, if you've read that, then that's pretty much just a text-based kind of magazine, right. you know. Whereas right. this has got some images. Sounds like you got some audio that goes with it too, and you can listen to it. You also got the transcription of the audio in there. So, do you do you think maybe? Do you think you could have simplified the idea a bit more to execute faster? Um, maybe, but I, I don't want to compromise on that. Um, because this is, you know, this is my biggest gripe with the way that Type Engine is doing things, and and really the way Marco does things as well. Um, and. And, you know, maybe I'll preface whatever my comment is going to be by saying that I love them and, and I love what they're doing. But what I didn't like was that, um, you know, you're putting your content into this template, really, uh, that that holds all the articles. It's an image, your title, and your content. And that's it. Image, title, content. Image, title, content. And I, and I didn't want to necessarily follow that format. I wanted to control the reading experience and what people would, would, would look at. Um, and I felt that I could do that better with, with the tools that I, that I chose. Um, and there, there has to be some type of middle ground, right? Because, um, Yes, I understand the fact that we need to embrace the medium that we're designing for, right? Because you know, the, on the iPad, you can uh, you can't treat it as a print magazine, you know, not not completely, which I think is good. But at the same time, um, you want to bring uh, new types of of design to it. You want to be able to do layout. You want to be able to do what is known as classic editorial design, and um, you know, it's it's very difficult to find that balance. Hmm. That is true. So we're we're getting we're getting near the end of the show. I was hoping to have a bit more time to talk about Tim likes to teach and, and bite size, but um, I know you got a heart for teaching too. Just you know, sharing what you know and, and maybe even what you don't know, as you have said before. But what's the what is Tim likes to teach? That's let's let's get that out the way. Uh, Tim likes to teach is a friendly way to learn the web, and uh, it's it's a site where I post courses on how to do things that are design and development related. So the first course goes over creating a blog um, with WordPress, and the second one um, right now we're doing is uh, is creating a podcast website. Um, and our our next course will be an an introduction to basic HTML. Um, and and I have a couple of more courses planned out as well. And so it's uh the name is totally based on you, right? Right. I mean cuz you're the teacher, right? Right. And we, just before the call, I've, you know, we've talked a little bit here and there about this, but I've been asking you why Tim likes to teach, so why Tim likes to teach. Um 
I think at the at the time when I when I first purchased the domain, there was no really there was no reason why I decided to call it Tim Likes to Teach. But I think as time has gone by, um, I've I've liked my decision in terms of calling it Tim Likes to Teach more and more. And the reason why is I'm what I'm trying to do is, uh, you know, use my use my name on it. Um, because I, I figured out that the di- differentiator for Tim Likes to Teach can't really be the content. Because if you look on YouTube or you Google, you know, video tutorials, you can find you can find a ton of them. You can find a lot of them that that will most likely teach a lot of the same skills that I'm that I'm teaching with my with my videos. But the only thing that really makes them different is that I'm doing them. That that you get a friendly experience, um, that you get support at any time. Um, I just the other day a, a customer contacted me like around ten, eleven, you know, PM my time, and I I jumped on Skype with him and we walked through the problem. It was you know something simple that he he just wasn't seeing, and uh, and for me I pride myself on those things. I, I want to provide a personal experience. You're not dealing with a company here. You're dealing with me. And if you buy the courses, you know, I have your back. And I, 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 I will always make time to help you out in whatever you need. Um, so this is a personal experience they're, they're just tapping into, not just the learning itself, but they're buying into who you are. They're trusting you, Tim. Exactly. Yep. And, and, and I wanted, I want to build more on that because I think that that's more valuable really, um, long-term that people not only get good content because I'm, I'm trying to make it, you know, as, as well done as possible, but, uh, but they, they, they also kind of get an internet pal to help them along the way. And then you also have Tim TV, which is kind of neat too. This is not, uh, I don't think any of them are now. Stop me if I'm wrong, but I think that when you go to Tim TV, if you so if you go to TimLaceToTeach.com and then click on the link in the main navigation, Tim TV, uh, these seem like more bite-sized topics that you're sharing that aren't paid, that um, they're six minutes in length and ten minutes in length, and you know they're pretty bite-sized right. too. This is this is pretty neat, right? Tim TV was was my idea for um, having a place to. To post smaller screencasts, smaller things that needed addressing, but um, you know it, they they don't really need a whole course for. Um, and also kind of a teaser to to help people know. Okay, so this is how he teaches. All right, well then I'll I'll sign up. Um, you know, and I have a couple of videos coming to Tim TV in the next couple of weeks. Um, some dealing with you know how to use Git and uh, and how to use the 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 course downloads and things like that that. You know, probably members of the site want to know a little bit more about. So is this almost like uh, uh, I would imagine that you know your your precursor to you providing or not providing some support or uh, being that internet pal would be the fact that they have a subscription, right? Because this is a subscription based right. service you're running, right? So if mm-hmm. they have the subscription, then you'll hop on Skype at ten at night. Yes. Yep. Okay. So in a sense. You're, uh, you're, they're like paying you to be a mentor. Um, kind of, I mean, I, I, uh, I mean, between you and me, 
if, if, if somebody wants help, I'll jump on the phone with them. You know, it's, it's, it's not a huge deal. Um, don't, don't tell anybody, but I, I'll do I, I won't it. tell anybody, but you know, if, um, but especially, you know, if they're a subscriber for Tim likes to teach, I, I definitely want, want to provide them with as much value as possible. Hmm. And so you actually, oh, that's funny. I just landed on your redesign a podcast website and, and, uh, you got a poster image for the video and I'm like the second one in there cause I'm on, I'm on the East wing. Yeah. So I guess you, <laughs> you redesigned the East wing as a course then. Right. Right. I'm, I'm redesigning the East wing as a course right now. And you, and speaking of redesigns, you recently redesigned Tim likes to teach too. Yes. To launch a new course and to roll out memberships. So that's eight ninety nine a month, right? Yes. Yep. This is a, this is a neat, neat design too. I, I think it's neat. I mean, I think the whole friendly way to learn and internet pal slash mentor could, could really work for you. I think that's a really good differentiator, honestly. I mean, you know, that was one of my first thoughts was like some of the topics you're covering covered elsewhere, but that doesn't mean that they're exclusive to owning the rights to teach people, you know, or to have people pay them for them to get taught. Right. So, uh, you know, there's no sense in, you know, you not doing it, especially if you really enjoy doing it. Plus, I mean, you know, this is a, this is a fun thing. I think this, this is really neat. Yeah. I, and I, I mean, personally, I think, uh, Tim likes to teach is, is the first idea that I think could, could really um, provide some type of financial stability for me, <laughs> which is, which is a lot of fun, you know, um, because I, I like to teach people what I know. Um, and, and I, I find that there's real gratification behind that. And, and the people who have purchased the course, um, you know, back when you could only, per, you would, you would just purchase the course instead of uh, getting a subscription, you know, they've really liked it and, and they like the style, um, and and they find it fun to learn uh, through Tim Likes to Teach, which is really gratifying to hear. So let's let's ask the famous question that we we usually ask to close out the the show, which is. And I didn't. I imagine you listen to the show enough that you know I'm going to ask you this question. So hopefully this doesn't take you by <laughs> surprise. But uh, what's what's uh, upcoming for you? What's on the horizon that no one knows about that you can share on the show today? Um. Well, I. Uh, you know, I'm 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 hoping to do more more uh, consulting work. Um, the East Wing is is obviously going to be getting a redesign in in the next uh, in the next couple of of weeks slash month. Um, and there's something really really huge that I'm working on. Um, and you know, I'm not talking too much about it. I'm I'm having a lot of fun working with, you know, my partner, uh, my, my business partner on that. And, um, but let's just say that it has something to do with broadcasting and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun and it's going to be great. What is bite size? Bite size? Yeah. What is bite size? Bite size is a small show. It's, uh, it'll probably be six to 10 minutes. And so it's going to be about this, this, this elusive thing you just mentioned is not bite size. No, no. Okay. Nope. Bite size is com- is is going to be a part of of what I just said, but it's uh it's a it's a different thing. I see. So no details then. Um I 
I, I'm not sure uh, if my business partner would want me to give any more details. Wow. Really elusive on that one. <laughs> That's cool. That's okay. It's, it's no problem. That happens. <laughs> it happens. It happens. But um, yeah, man, I, I, Tim, I think, I think you're an awesome dude. I'm really glad you came on the show. I think that uh, some of the stuff you're working on, especially your outlook, like, you know, for the listeners listening to the show, one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit more than just the cool things you're working on, because I think anybody can find cool things to work on, right? And everyone has had some level of success and failure that they can come on the show and talk about that. But what I really was hoping that would shine through, and, and you really did a great job with that, was was sharing your attitude and your outlook. I think that's something really special about you. And uh, I was really hoping that uh, that you come on the show and share that, because I think a lot of people listen to the show and will will really look up to, you know, how you approach the different uh, challenges you've been faced with and how you um, and how you deal with those challenges and how you get past those challenges and how you deal with daily challenges that uh, that come to us all in this industry uh, of design, of making, of 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 creating. It's tough. You know, it's tough stuff. And sometimes, like I said earlier in the show, we get into this mentality that we think that we have to know everything and it's okay to, to not know everything. So I'm really glad that, uh, thankful for you writing that post for yourself, but then also sharing with everyone else to, to let everyone know that every once in a while you look at documentation. How dare you? <laughs> well, I, I really, really appreciate that. Um, thank you. Thank you for the kind words. Absolutely. So, uh, for those listening, thanks for tuning in. You can tune into the show live on Wednesdays. Uh, at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on 5x5. Um, I'm not sure yet, but it's possible that I might take the next week and the next week after that off from this show because I got some travel going on. Some of it was unexpected. Uh, I'm still not sure. I might I might buckle down and try and do uh, an extra show uh, this week or next week. We'll see. But if, if for some reason I can't get a show out, don't hold me to the fire. It's just... Uh, crazy summer stuff but I do appreciate you listening I do appreciate you tuning in and listening live if you're listening live but if you're listening on the podcast hey you can listen live it like I said it's on Wednesdays at 5 here on 5 by 5 until uh, until the next time let's say goodbye Tim bye <laughs>